The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. It's me, Macca, back in the host's chair once again and it's uh, very, very comfortable, I have to say. Uh, joining me is the lovely Portia. How are you going? I'm going really well. How are you going? Pretty good. Pretty good. I've had a good day today. I've had a, a good day. Yeah, yeah. I look, I mean, after Saturday's performance, I mean, every day just seems a little bit brighter, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> uh, a, a great weekend for Port Adelaide football with um, the uh, Port Adelaide midgets on Friday night losing to Nord and mm-hmm. um, our main side just not turning up against West Coast. So... Much fun had by everybody. It's funny how we've managed to have underheight teams at senior and at second level. How does that's that work? Right. How does that happen to all this? But, hmm. Well, that's what happens when you have about eight people out injured and uh, yeah. all that sort of stuff, I guess. But mm. These things happen. These things happen. Um, I, I think there's something, a question to be asked there, which is why don't short players get injured? Why don't short players get in? They should. You would think they should. What's the mystery? What's 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 happening to cause this this strange thing? <laughs> it's, you might be onto something here. You might be onto something. This is uh, this is something else. So well, why I, don't I think, they get injured? It's, uh, well, I mean, I think there's a case to be made that if you make a high tackle on a short player, then obviously they're not going to get hurt. So maybe they should stop paying a free kick for it. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> That's it. Well, look, let's get into things because uh, we've got a stack of questions from the Big Footy ooh, Forum ooh, tonight. Ooh. We've got sounds heaps. like we've had a loss. It sounds like we've had a loss. Um, something that we're all getting used to, I think. So that's great. Cool. Um, but look, I guess first and foremost, how does it feel being a Port supporter at the moment, Porsche? What are your thoughts on, uh, on um, the coaching group and also the playing group? Well, as for how does it feel being a port supporter, like being a port supporter in Melbourne, it's a lot better than when I was a port supporter in Sydney in the early 2000s. That really sucked. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine with it right now. Um, it's a bit disappointing when you take a longer-term view. Um, I'm going to say now, it's something I think I sent in an email to Rick and I would forgot to mention on the podcast, which is after the Brisbane game, I had a dream that said that we wouldn't win a premiership till 2055, which was a little disheartening. <laughs> 2055. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. That was the only. I, I woke up and I, that was the. You know how you, you, your dreams fade from memory really quickly. I, I wrote it down on my phone and I looked it up, you know, when I woke up properly because it was the middle of the night. And, oh, 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 shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be 73 years old. I'm, it, it, that's a long time. That's a long time. The odds are now. high that I'll be dead by then. But <laughs> in theory, because I dreamt it, I won't be dead yet. So that's nice to know. I can, you know, start smoking or something. <laughs> That's it. Well, I have to say, I think your dreams are shit house. Um, yeah, me too. That was really awful. Oh, that's that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> look, it's just look, being a port supporter is not much. Uh, there's not a lot of enjoyment in it at the moment. It's got to be said. It, it feels like a lot of people on Big Footy are, are very jaded by the club and and uh, its direction, um, the coaching group and the playing group and everybody involved. Really, um, feels like uh, nothing they can do. Uh, is right, and um, I guess that's kind of fair in in some aspects. Um, I'm not sure that 
I think that that's we've forgotten how bad we were a few years ago as well. Like that might be part of it. Because um, we have had worse sides on the field than this. We've had worse performances on the on the field. We've had worse coaching performances. Um, you know, that, I suppose that might be part of the problem is that um, by some of the standards that were set, and particularly when I suppose the board and the CEO and all that uh, and the chairman and all that came on, compared to how we were then, like we look like a million bucks. It's just that for Port fans, it's not good enough. We want premierships. Um, and we do. We exist to, to win premierships, apparently, and, and to make our community proud, which I'm sure we're doing, but um, yeah. you know, at least we're getting one part of the statement right. Um, the main part, probably not at this point in time. Well, I mean, I, I think the thing is that to, to win premierships, you have to take risks as well, and... Um, Maybe we're not taking as many, or maybe we're just not taking the right ones. You know, oh, I Sometimes. feel like we've we've taken risks with our, our we list. Have. We have, I absolutely. Think, yeah. and, Look and at the our recruits that we've had. I think we've taken huge risks in, in who we've brought in because we've made the statement. You know, when you bring in Rockliffe, Motlop, and Watts, plus the uh, the other free agents that we got, you're you're making the statement that you want to win a flag, and the club knows that. The club has admitted that word absolutely all in on a flag in the next couple of years. And, you know, unfortunately, to win a flag, you've got to beat decent teams. And we are just not capable of beating decent teams. Yeah. Look, I mean, we're capable of it. We're not doing it. I think that's a difference. Um... Look, we, we haven't beaten a final side at home since um, early 2015. That's a long time. That that's is a, a long, long time. way away. Yeah, absolutely um, right. And you know, our away record outside of Sydney is uh, is pretty ordinary as well when it comes to beating decent teams. So, yes, yes, uh, that's also true. So, what are your thoughts on the coaching and the playing group at this point in time? Um, I wrote down some excuses because we said on Thursday uh, on the show that uh, there are a lot of excuses you could make. So, I thought I'd make a few just just play devil's advocate, um, which I like doing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. just looking at the looking at the defence this week, you can say the defence has had to resettle after some significant changes. Obviously, Howard has been back and forth. And once we started playing him in ruck, our defence really started to falter. Um, we lost Hartlett, and he was midfield general for us. Like he was the the senior player in our defence at the start of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously the minor change of Homsch for Clory, which some people said Homsch has been really good. Homsch is the only man not to play a tackle this do a tackle this week, which is unusual because he normally is a tackler. Um, yeah. But I don't think we gained all that much, basically, from that change, but it did further change the, how the team plays. Um, if you clip midfield, you could say we've been unlucky with our big recruit and Tom Rockliffe not achieving his match fitness for the time for the start of the season. Um, you'd have to say that Sam Palpepper's indiscretions really cost us a, a really important midfielder for us, not necessarily in terms of his output being you know, uh, elite class, but in terms of just having that extra big body that can... Uh, be thrown at a contest and push the ball forward. Yep. Um, and look, we've also been missing very clearly Paddy Ryder, who this week, yeah, okay, Paddy Ryder's back, but then he played less than what? He played about 59% of the game. Um, and he'd obviously take more than you know half a game to get back up to speed. Yep. So the midfield you can make excuses for. And then the attack, well, we had Marshall out. And as much as we took Marshall as, oh, isn't this fantastic? He's playing so well. I mean, the fact is that we're, I think we discussed, you know, again a few weeks ago that Marshall is now effectively our second tall forward and Jack Watts was probably number three. Um, 
so martial arts hurt us. Jack Watts is still coming from a very different system with different demands, um, and so he will take time to settle in. We saw that with Charlie Dixon and Paddy Ryder. You know, their first seasons were a bit up and down. Um, Charlie has been trained to play at key forwards, so he probably has had a, a bit of a fitness issue in terms of uh, switching in and out of ruck as well. Uh, and he's putting the effort and just needs to settle in for goal, is what you can just hear the coaches saying. And then, of course, this week's opponent, West Coast, have been in fantastic form this year. Even if they haven't necessarily beaten all world beaters, they have managed to string a bunch of games together. They're playing at a stadium with a style that seems to suit them down to a tee, um, which I guess, if you look at, you know, how Western Australian football actually uh, clings together, unlike South Australian. Um, you could imagine they probably looked at how West Coast is playing and then built the stadium for them, literally. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, there's lots of excuses you can make for, for us losing that game. Um, mm. And I guess the, the last one you can say is that we're still 4-3 in this season. Um, we're only two games off top spot, so Porsche. settle down. Porsche. <laughs> yeah. Is your name Ken Hinckley? <laughs> You've got to admit there are was... a lot of... That was the biggest bunch of excuses I've ever heard anyone ever say about anything in my entire life. That was great. But a lot of them, like each one individually, you say, yeah, that's that's something, that's something, that's something. And I've named about what, 10 or 12 different somethings, and they all have to add up to a bigger something, something that, okay, maybe you've got a point there. And if you're in the coaching group, you're definitely looking at that, like the defensive coach is saying those people, the changes he's had. Midfield's mentioned Rockcliffe not being ready has hurt us and Sam Pell Pepper's hurt us and obviously Ryder's injury. You know, attack, uh, obviously our structure had to change with Marshall out and Watts is still learning how to not be a Melbourne player. Um, and Charlie's just not having a great start to the year, you know. Uh, I, 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 there's plenty of excuses to make. So, um, yeah, I, look, I'm not saying... I'm, there are lots of other things you can say on the negative side, but I think that it's not all that hard to make a positive case for how our season's going, which... Um, I guess Bigfoot is not always the place for it. Neither am I, for the matter. So, um, yeah. Look, the uh, yes, the the level of vitriol on Bigfooty at the moment is something to behold. Um, mm. You know, more more than I've ever seen on there, I reckon. Because really? I reckon, yeah, Even under Primus, absolutely more, much, much, much more than under Primus, under Choco, under anything yeah. right now. Okay. Um, the level of vitriol on that forum is uh, is through the roof, and um, some would say rightly sh- rightly so. You know, a lot of promises were made. You know, we're going to get the job done. What are we going to do this year? We need to beat good teams. That was what we were all told at the members' convention, and at the moment, we aren't beating decent teams. Um, to to beat, you know, you, you need to win these games to win premierships, uh, to get yourself in a position to win premierships. And at the moment, it's just not happening. Yeah. Look, I mean, I guess the most frustrating thing for a Port fan, I don't know if it's the most frustrating thing for every club, but the most frustrating thing for a Port fan is to feel that your team is stagnant. And I think that's definitely something you could say about us. Um, Not that we're suddenly the worst in the league, because we're not. You know, obviously there's plenty of teams having a much worse season than us. You know, we're still in the top half of teams uh, for the season so far. Um, So uh, it's just that stagnation, the fact that, okay, what's, what's next that we can change, Yeah. We've changed the players significantly. We've brought in, you know, some really good recruits uh, over multiple years. We traded out picks for recruits, pretty much, and we've traded off some of the guys that we knew were going to keep letting us down in the off season for the first time, which has been really good. Um, you know, we made the we've made the changes to our playing squad uh, to a high extent. Um, there are a few guys that have let us down on frequent occasions that aren't out of the squad, and 
maybe we could have been a bit harsher in previous years, not necessarily all last year, but in the year before and the year before that. Um, but when you're making so many changes to your playing list and you're still getting the same results, then you have to look at what else you can change, uh, don't you? And I, I guess that uh, it's easy to defend a player or have a crack at a player, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to say, okay, well, if we change the players and uh, we're getting the same results, then whoever's telling them what to do, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, and particularly as we've just been adding senior players, you know, every off season, basically, uh, what is going on? So, hmm. yes, absolutely. Look, let's get into the big footy questions at the moment. The first one's from Fort Support, um, and his question is: What's going on with Charlie's goal kicking? Ah, uh, he's out of form in terms of goal kicking. I don't know. Um, I guess he's gone, I'm not going to say this is a reason for his goal kicking being bad, but uh, he's certainly having less opportunities to take shots on goal, I think, than he has in the past. Uh, This year, he's gone from having, being our only target up forward and having as many shots and chances to work his kicking out per game as he wants to, well, he's only one of a couple of options, or at least in weeks before Marshall was out. Um, Don't know, don't know. Like I said, it could be a fitness thing. Earlier, I said it could be a fitness thing, and you know, when you're running full pelt, it takes time for the heart to slow down. Be interesting to know what McCown's doing about all those situations of players playing out of positions that they trained for. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Well, he kicked three goals, six in that final last year. So far this yeah. year, he's kicked five goals, 11. Yeah, um, is it a bit so of sort balance. of skeletons in the closet in that regard? Sort of, is he is he feeling the pinch from that final last year where? He probably shouldered a, a bit of the blame in, in not winning that game. Yeah, look, maybe. Um, it's one of those things that's probably just going to keep being bad until it's good again. You know, like until he comes out and has that full goal straight game or something and then he can, you know, get his confidence back. But, mm. uh, you know, you're gonna get, the, the thing the way it works is you don't really actually get your confidence back until you start kicking goals. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Funny that. <laughs> yeah, weird. So there's not really there's not really a shortcut to that to fix that, you know. It's, no, he just needs to kick them. He just and needs unfortunately, to kick them. he's looking an absolute mile off. His shots on the weekend were disgraceful, mm, to, to mm. put it bluntly. Um, and you know, I can't remember that. Like so many times this year and last year, he's had to kick important goals, and he just never does. That's my main issue with Charlie Dixon. Is it's all right to beat up on. Um, you know, teams that aren't performing well, which he's done a fair bit in the past. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you're on the big bucks. You've you got to slot the goals at important times. Um, that's what makes a star. And unfortunately for Charlie, I think he's a long way off that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. Um, but he's certainly far from the only person on our side that is not reliable in clutch moments. That's just yeah. how it is. Mm. Yes, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Mm. Look, he had his chances on the weekend. He had four scoring shots. He took six marks inside 50. Um, so he had plenty of opportunity to, to really hit the scoreboard and, and do some damage. And yeah, he had a shot early and missed. He had a, a shot uh, in the middle of the second quarter when uh, the rot started to set in and he missed. And, and again, at, at the kind of the start of the last quarter and he missed as well. So, so unfortunately for him, it's just not working out. We really need him to hit the scoreboard because um, he's the only toll out there at the moment that I think is, is capable of kicking a big bag. Um, I don't think Watts is ever going to be the, the sort of player that's going to slot six or seven in, in a game. Um, 
And until Marshall comes back, which is, you know, who knows when that know. might be, yeah. um, you know, a lot is riding on the shoulders of Charlie Dixon. Well, I mean, there's something else worth considering. I've just brought up my um, notes from the preview podcast, which is that West Coast, prior to our game this week, um, they had the fifth most marks inside 50 taken against them, but the sixth fewest goals against them. And I'd say that a lot of that is probably just people learning Perth Stadium. Um, yeah. You know, that that's certainly a re- very reasonable factor, and it's one that's played out with uh, teams before us so far this year as far as getting opportunities and t- not turning them into goals at Perth Stadium. So yeah. I, re- I reckon that's got to be a factor as well. Quite possibly, yeah. Uh, the next question from us against the rest is, has Ken lost this group? Uh, no, because we've seen what it looks like when coach loses their players and they play a lot worse than this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a theme that's been on Big Footy a fair bit this year, that mm. Ken's lost the player. I don't, I don't believe that to be true. I think they love Ken as a coach. I, I think they, they're right behind him and, and right behind how we are trying to play. I think the execution is just uh, miles off at the moment. Um, maybe there's some mixed messages. I thought the way that we played on the weekend was just absolutely not the way to play against West Coast. And it was completely different to how we've played pretty much all this year, which was has really been quite slow and methodical um, for large parts of every match this year, except for on the weekend where we just chose to handball and handball and keep handballing, which um, was quite bizarre. Well, we needed to do that. To a large extent, well, I reckon we needed to handball, have a well, handball heavy game. No, I think, think we, we did. did. It's just we needed no. to hit, have, have it set up so that we can actually take advantage of it rather than just handballing. No, I, I don't think you can handball your way to success against West Coast. I, oh, I think their defensive pressure is too good. Um, I just don't think it's a way to play that's going to work. Like I worked against North Melbourne, but um, that's how you play. That's how you can play against North Melbourne and exploit some deficiencies in their game. I don't think West Coast have the same deficiencies. And I, I feel like we had to either run with the ball a bit more or we had to go long. Um, and, and we just got on these endless handball streams, which you know, we saw in the sort of latter-day oh. Choco and, um, yeah, I, and the Primus years as well. And it just brought back bad, bad memories. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to say that we should only be handballing. I definitely think we should be running and handballing. Like, we should be basically doing that old thing where you sort of run in waves and handball between you so that it's hard to control from a yeah. zoning perspective. I, 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 I do and think we that, did none of that. It was just no, lots of defensive handball. Exactly, exactly, mm. yeah. Exactly right, yeah. We did handballs without the running, so that doesn't really help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, I just want to also add, you talk yeah. about has, has fought less the players, and I'm looking on my screen because prior to the podcast, I was actually watching The Office, um, and I'm just thinking, yeah, it's a bit like that in that, Michael Scott clearly can't um, run an office, but people kind of like him. <laughs> and so no one actually does so anything Ken is to Steve get Carell? enforced. <laughs> yeah, Ken is Steve Carell. Um, Bassett's probably uh, Dwight. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. I reckon Brendan Lade's more Dwighty. I reckon. You reckon? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but no one, no one does anything because they just kind of like them. And I guess that's could be a thing from the the higher-ups as well, you know. Maybe yeah. uh, KT is Jan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Levinson. I like it. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, one great club has asked dumb footballers or inept teachers. Uh, look, I mean, I... it's hard to say, isn't it? I, I, I don't know I that it's really... I say dumb really... footballers. Oh, it is it though, you know? I think is so. Is it? Yeah. I'm not convinced of that. I I'm think, really not. I, I feel like, for me, a lot of our issues over the last, well, even including the second half of 2014, I feel like... A lot of our issues are skill execution and not so much game style or game plan. Uh, I think game style and game plan has a fair chunk to do with it, but I feel like most of our issue is the fact that we just can't we just can't execute how we should be playing or how the coaches want us to play. So maybe that is a coaching issue. Maybe I'd, I'd be leaning towards that. Maybe yeah. we're trying to get them to play a style of game that the players are just not capable of performing. Um, but then you see sometimes when it does all come together and it looks really bloody good. Um, unfortunately, we haven't really seen that much this year. Um, you know, I, I was very bullish last year, all, all through last season. Um, I said, oh, I feel like we're going to have success this year. I really like how we're playing. You know, our, our ability mm-hmm. to completely shut out an opponent was second to none last year, even in games that we lost. Like the West Coast final, we, we stopped West Coast from kicking a goal for over a half of football. Um, and we still couldn't get the job done. <laughs> well, that's because that's all we did. <laughs> well, that's that's it. But I feel like this year there's none of that. There's none of that real sort of big, strong defensive pressure. Um, so I don't know what's changed in that regard or what's changed in how we're trying to play. Um, I, I think it's just that defensive pressure doesn't start in defence and we, you know, we need to have it upfield. Like that's when we were, like the start of the year when we were well, doing pretty nicely. Well, that's why we well last year. Yeah, well, that's what, that's when it works well is when you actually have it. Uh, the whole the whole team is doing it as opposed to the coaches saying let's put more of the team in defence because then the ones up forward they're just on a hiding to nothing and they're chasing tails because there's not enough of them to actually impact the contest, and then that just flows backwards until you get into defence and then one long kick screws you, you know, one lucky mark screws you, a, a high mark or whatever else or a free kick. Um, you know that 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 just uh, destroys that uh, idea of overloading your defence. Which you know you look at the I looked at the heat maps after we discussed Carl Amon this week, um, and there are only three guys that had a dot in the forward forward fifty for us. Mm. Um, you know, and that's uh, that's just not good enough. And that's just not good enough for any AFL team. Yeah, look, Ken and the coaching staff have said that you know we want to be a front half football team, and unfortunately at the moment that's not happening. You know, things are, are not working out as well defensively as what they did last year, unfortunately. But Next question, we'll move on uh, from Peck, which is how many more inside midfielders do we need in the side? Is Polek winning his own bowler solution or a symptom? And do we need to reconsider playing Ebert in the centre square? Uh, look, I mean, we can't reconsider playing Ebert where he is uh, until Sam Pelpepper's back. So there's that. Um yeah, I don't know. We need more. In- like, I think the uh, the structure of the team is out of whack at the moment. We've got far too many outside players, um, and we just don't have enough players that can actually win the ball um, at the moment. We had the lowest contested possession count since t- early 2016 on the weekend, only 121 yeah. contested possessions. So we are clearly lacking in that area. Um, and I guess, you know, you put Rockliffe back in, you put Pal Pepper back in, it's probably one or two others. You know, I, I do feel like Atley should have played. 
think I mentioned that in the preview that he probably should have been named. Um, yeah, you know, we we just need. I feel like we are just lacking some real grunt in that midfield group at the moment. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's the inside midfielders that are an issue because um, we're getting hands on the ball. And, like, our clearance count, we've got the second most clearances in the league right now. You wouldn't believe it, but we do. Mm. Um, so it's not that we're having trouble at the fall of the ball. And that's that's with Paddy Ryder not there for several games, you know. Um, it's just the, the, that secondary midfield, I guess, is probably where we're falling apart, that we're not doing enough um, in terms of contested possession. And when you look at our bench, you know, it's not too surprising... Um, why that is, uh, but yeah, no, I think that like we're talking about who should we play in the centre square. I don't think that's where our problem is as far as the midfield. Even I think it's just that on once it once it's outside the centre square, like we just don't do enough to to maintain, retain and uh, regain possession at the moment. Oh, I forgot to mention earlier from my excuses list, Wingard's out. Yeah, we've got Wingard, Wingard as well. You know, good job, Ken, on remembering that one. That was good. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's a second tier. And the, the guys we know on the bench, like we talked on Thursday about, you know, we've got three sub-180 guys on the on the bench and certainly they didn't have a great game for us. Mm. Did they? Uh, no. You know, Johnson did good, but Need and Barry good. did. Need did got his five touches and nothing else. And Barry got, what, 13 or so, I think. So, um, and not much. <laughs> no goals. Uh, so... That's if you want an explanation for why our contested possession rate sounds probably partially that. Yep, I would agree. Um, CT Power has asked last week. You made the call that Brad Ebert doesn't have any hurt factor. Does Ollie Wines have any hurt factor? Um, I feel like he does. I feel like he does. He plays a lot of good games every year, and a lot of games where he has, you know, he is the main reason why we've sort of won the game. Um, but he's also the main player that can actually go in and win contested bowl in the midfield. And I'm not not talking about what things like, obviously Robbie Gray's a better midfielder, can win more clearances, but he does the more sort of spectacular, clean breakaway clearances, whereas I feel like Ollie's the one that, if the ball's on the ground and he needs to win it, he'll win it sort of thing. And I feel yeah. like he has hurt factor that way. And I feel like he's the only inside midfielder we've got that can actually do that. Yeah, I I, I think that opinions on Ollie Wines would change enormously if we had um, those better players in that um, inside-outside role, you know, the, the guys that can sort of run through a bit of traffic and receive properly. Um, yeah, I agree. As far as getting and again, it's not squared out. As far as getting it, we're fine. Ollie does hurt because he does get it. He's been getting it from losing rock contests. Um, it's just that once we clear it, then it becomes nothing for us. It becomes nothing. Um, yeah, that's it. Mm. Eric Blair has asked, uh, would you say it's time to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? <laughs> What's that from? That's that's Come Simpsons, on. isn't it? Yes. Yes, it oh. is. Yeah, 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 with the news desk. Yes, yep, yep. Yes, That's I would. So I would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Needs Gravy has asked, uh, is it the lack of a game plan, the players not following the game plan, or the game plan itself which sees us dish up this week after week? Um, I reckon it's the game plan slash maybe not really considering. 
Well, I mean, this is the issue with any game plan. Well, it's is all that it's, above, really. Yeah, but it, the issue with any game plan is it's like uh, a theoretical model, isn't it? It's a theoretical model that you then overlay on reality, and sometimes that's not perfectly going to fit. Mm. Um, so I would say that that's pretty much usually going to be some part of the game as a game plan. Um, yep. because you've got to make it conform to your reality and it's very hard to do. And that's what changes, separates a good coach from a bad one. Yep. Uh, Eddie Dingle was asked, do the club deserve us right now? Uh, you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's all that needs to be said about that. Uh, CT Powers asked, would you play a tagger on Sloan or Matt Crouch? I don't think I would, no. I would I would suggest neither. Um, yeah. I think the two players that we need to shut down this week are Rory Laird and Bryce Gibbs. I think uh, yeah, they're the two fair. guys that we absolutely need to lock down out of the game. Um, I'm okay if Matt Crouch gets plenty of it. I'm okay with Sloan gets plenty of it. I feel like Gibbs has higher hurt factor than those two. And someone just needs to stop Rory Laird from getting the ball because he just gets too much of it. He's the main reason for their success over the last two years in, in getting the ball out of the defensive 50. Yep. Um, and he's the the biggest ball magnet, magnet just about in the whole league at the moment, outside of Tom Mitchell. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if, if we can keep him to under 20 possessions, which pretty much hasn't happened for about three years, yeah. um, I feel like we have a much better chance of winning this game this week. So who's going to do that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not okay. sure who I would have in that role. Maybe Sam Gray. I don't know. No, he's the most consistent forward this year. I can't believe those words are coming out of my what? mouth. What? <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be close to it, wouldn't he, Sam Gray? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would be, though, well, wouldn't he? I don't know. Maybe someone like Atley should do the job. Maybe Atley should come in. Yeah. He's got good defensive pressure. He's hard at it. He can play up forward, he can kick goals, he's got good speed, um, and he can do a shutdown job. So maybe it's uh, time for him to come into the side and maybe play outside the midfield a bit and uh, see if he can do a job there. Well, I mean, there's always, I think that there's always the possibility we could chuck Darcy Byrne Jones in there and the tagging sort of wrong. Yeah, Get potentially. That, that might work. That could potentially yeah. work. Yeah, I reckon we could afford to do that. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll leave that for, just, the, uh, for the just, preview, but. but... I just wanted to say Sam Gray has kicked a goal in every game except for the Sydney game. So okay. there you go. Most consistent forward. That's, uh, <laughs> that's depressing, that is. Um, Rovert has asked, how is it possible for a player to play a whole game and not get a kick? Uh, I don't know. I did, I, I, who was that? I know that Jasper Pittard managed Needy. to be up against... I know, oh, okay. Yeah, well, it, it happens. I know Jasper well, Pittard Michael Wilson did that in the O four Premiership. Yeah, but he had two bunk shoulders. <laughs> What's that got to do with his kicking? He still had like 11 disposals. That's just they were all hammers. Yeah, but you've got to drop it properly, don't you? I guess. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, against, West Coast, which is against West Coast, the kick-cleaning side, we had a half-back flanker in Jasper Pittard and we were the only man not to take a mark. So there's, there's a new one. Mm. It's 74% game time. Yeah. How does that happen? I mean, even, that's not even getting the, the cheap kick in the back pocket, is it? That's weird. No. Look, uh, I don't have much positive to say about Pittard's game. He went full Pittard on the weekend. 
<laughs> gotta say it was uh, it was one way to uh, announce yourself back into the senior team was to um, turn it over the first two times you get it um, and yeah, cause goals. Yep. That was yeah. that was wonderful. Fantastic. It was, it was yes. like reminiscent of Jasper Pittar back in 2012. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> hopefully he's much much better this week because he absolutely needs to be. Remember back when um, he was drafted on um, Buddha Hocking's advisement and everyone said he was going to be a coach because he was that smart and understood the game plans? Yeah, well, you don't have to be a good player to be a coach, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Mm. It, it does mean you should understand the game plan. True, mm. true. Uh, killer power, is it ever okay to bet against your team or are those who do lacking in moral fibre? Uh, I'm not a betting man, but you bet with your head, not your heart. Why would you bet on, like, you'd just choose not to bet, really? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how easy it is for you to become detached. Like, And it's just down to you personally. You know, if if you can be the person that will bet against your team and then when your team wins, still be pretty excited and not have any regrets, then fine, bet against them. But if you're the person that... Bets against Port, and then if Port when you get a little bit annoyed because you lost 50 bucks, well, maybe don't bet on Port, but don't get mm. bet against Port. Um, yeah. You know, if you can't live with it, don't do it. <laughs> Real easy, that one. True. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Sleazy um, has a bit of a long one here. Some role play, oh. if you will. Um, okay. Imagine yourself as Hinkley. That's right. Sip that Coke Zero. Um, <laughs> you say you have incredible faith in this group of players. This group of players that has won five of the possible 23 games against final sides in the last three years and three of 18 games decided by less than two goals. What have these players done off the field to inspire such faith? What do they need to do on the field to cause that faith to waver if the past four years of mediocrity hasn't done it? It's oh. <laughs> a good question. It's a hard one to answer. Well, the first thing you say is that, look, you're never just looking at them as a group of players. Like, you're never just saying all the players are terrible or all the players are excellent because it's not like that. Every uh, individual player is taken on the merits. Um, if I can, I also point out that we had a huge number of changes in the off-season, that we do we have outlined our expectations and that when players show improvement, we keep them on, and when players show that they're not going anywhere, we let them go. Um, and that's certainly something that we haven't deviated from since Ken Hinckley joined the club is what I would say, or since I joined the club, if I was Ken Hinckley. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I'd say. But as far as losing faith in the players, I, I think it's only ever going to be individuals. Yeah. And it's going to relate directly to um, how much they, I think that under Ken particularly, it's going to relate to how much they can be seen to be working hard. Um, and if you are seen to be working hard, you'll probably get a longer go than you necessarily ought to based on your actual output. Yeah. I feel like off the field, you know, on the training track, I feel like these players have probably really heavily bought into what the coaches are selling. And that's why the coaching group has so much faith in this group of players because, you know, they probably train exceptionally hard. They probably have a really good time doing it. Um, they're probably very conscientious in, in terms of their, um, you know, bookwork, I guess, you, or homework on other teams, I guess you'd say. I feel like that's probably got a lot to do with it, because um, yeah, sort of on field it hasn't really worked out. Um, I don't know; it's, it's a tricky one to answer that one. I feel. 
Yeah, I mean, having faith in players, it doesn't necessarily have to be for on-field results. I don't think there's any coaches that make decisions on that basis. Like, it's not a coach in the league that doesn't have sentimental favourites in their side. Um, but that's why occasionally it's a good idea to change a coach so that they uh, are able to look at your list and your assistant coaches with clear eyes and say, you are not cutting it, goodbye. Yep. Uh, Sleazy has asked the question, who makes sure that products don't accidentally have the same barcode? Um, I don't know. It's probably some central registry, I'd say. There's a organisation called GS1 that looks after that. Okay, there you are. Yeah, it doesn't seem overly hard to do to do in this internet age. Might have been, I guess that they might have done it like banks um, do credit cards and they are assigned a number of so what six digit prefixes and then the individual banks make up the numbers for the rest of it for your credit card. Yep. Yep. Pretty much spot on. It's uh, it works pretty much exactly the same. You get a company prefix and then uh, a bunch of numbers after that to to make up your product. Yeah, that was not a tough one at all. No, that was good. Uh, Crafty Bernardo to Google, asked, whoever that was. Yeah. <laughs> Crafty Bernardo has asked, uh, why can't the coaches go back to basics in terms of game plan? Why are they so pig-headed and only seem to do game day adjustments when it's already too late? I don't think there's any such thing as back to basics in AFL football. Um, no, I feel like other... our game plan is pretty... It's A lot of people have said over the last 12 months or so, our game plan is too complicated for the players to understand and perform properly. I, I just don't agree with that at all. I don't think our game plan is that hard to work out at all. I, I think it's pretty basic um, in terms of the, the key points of our game plan. Um, I just feel like uh, maybe it's a little too hard to execute. Maybe we don't have the right players with the right mindset to execute You know where they have to stand at the right time sort of thing because we saw as we just mentioned like 10 minutes ago you know we want to be a front half footy team we, we were that last year I thought defensively in terms of our structure our structure was incredible for most of last year um, this year it's just not worked out that way I think that it's also important to keep in mind well basically uh, that when you have a game plan it's a theoretical framework that you overlay on reality and there's a whole team and set of coaches working to find the holes and, and pick at them. Yeah. Um you know, uh players can be doing everything right. Um, but if there's a flaw in the game plan where okay, oh it looks like if you're on, you know, centre wing uh and you stretch their defence then you can, you know, get a quick kick through to the goal square. You know, if if it's that sort of level of play, like players can play their hearts out, they can play exactly by the game plan. Yeah. Um, and you can still lose the game because the, the, the other coaches have worked out your game plan and you haven't worked out how to cover the holes. And I think that is probably part of it. You know, maybe maybe we just don't have smart enough coaches as far as uh, understanding our game plan. Maybe the coaches don't understand our game plan to the point that they can destroy it and then work out how to make it not destroyed. Yeah. I feel like our game plan this year is pretty... It's not simple, but it's easy to understand what we're trying to do. You know, we want to yeah. play down the corridor, play quickly down the corridor. If that's not available, then keep possession of the ball. Um, quite simply. Um, in terms of the second part of that question, I reckon every supporter of every team in the AFL would be critical of coaches and their game day adjustments. And, you know, oh, we only seem to do stuff when it's too late. Um, the fact is they probably do a hell of a lot 
during the game and none of it works. <laughs> That's the thing. Like Choco says, um, the, the 07 grand final, he reckons he made more moves that day than any other game he's ever coached. Um, you wouldn't know it because uh, we got absolutely pummeled and nothing that they did um, worked. And I feel like that's kind of the same sort of thing here. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, sometimes you only notice sort of subtle changes. Sometimes it's just a subtle change in the intensity of the opposition that, that lets you back in the game. And we saw on the weekend how we kicked, you know, four or five goals in a row. Um, you know, maybe West Coast got a little bit too comfortable there for a little while and um, and felt like they had the game under control and maybe that was just the, the little in that we needed to try and work ourselves back into the game. Well, I mean, it's entirely feasible, again, with Burgess being hailed as the fitness messiah, that our game plan isn't one of the top eight or top 10 or top 12 in the league, but we've been able to get that intangible edge by just having that better fitness base than the opposition. Yeah. And maybe the edge is just dimmed. It's just not there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and if that's not there and you don't have a fantastic game plan, well, then you're going to slide down the ladder. That's just how it is. Even if all your players work really hard and buy in and do everything they should do, um, sometimes it's only when players start doing things they shouldn't do that uh, you'll actually see a turnaround, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Oz, Ozf1870 is asked, uh, is it too early to start drinking for Saturday's game? Yes. Never too early. It's definitely too early. Not too early. It's hugely too early. In terms of if you wanted to stay drunk from now until the game, then yes, I would agree it's too early. But if you, would you want be dead. To, to try and <laughs> if, if you want to try and kill some brain cells, so maybe you have memory loss for this whole week. Yes, start drinking now. Yeah, think. but like I said, like if you want to, if you want to keep dimming the the memory from now until the game on the weekend, like you will be dead maintaining the alcohol level for that long. This is true. Plus, you'd also. Yeah, before that, you'd probably lose your job for turning up to work drunk. Depends on the job. Like, if it's customer service on phones or something, probably not. This is Telstra. How are you going? Exactly. <laughs> I'm going exactly. pretty well. It's probably fine. Or if it's like, in, you know, it's someone phoning up insurance cover and they say, and you just say, no, we don't cover that and hang up. <laughs> That's what they do anyway. Exactly. Pretty so, much. why would it matter if you're drinking? That's it. Uh, and this is more of a statement from him as well than a question. Okay. But it, And yes, Bassett has to go. His negative rubbish has led us down this path. Having watched a, f- a few Norwood games, when he was there, it was my great fear once he came here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's again, it's hard to single out a single coach uh, from the assistants. But at the end of the day, we are a pretty negative side. We have seen that... We start the year with a good, in- a couple of seasons now. We start the year with good intentions, and then slowly we become more and more defensive. Um, you know, that's just tiresome that we keep we keep doing that. And it's sometimes it's not even based on any actual need to. It's just that we, I guess, the coaches get a little bit worried about some matchup or other, and we just start throwing extra men back, and then we lose games and look mediocre and go back to the same old slingshot bullshit. So, yeah. mm. but we we knew what we were getting with Bassett. We knew that this yeah. was what he was like at Norwood. We knew this is what he was like at Essendon. Um, we knew exactly what he was going to bring to the table, and that's why we sought him out, uh, was to try and implement those strategies with our defence. And look, last year, it largely worked for a large proportion of the season. Um, this year, it hasn't really worked at all. Um, so I'm not sure what's really sort of changed in how we're playing defensively, but 
Um, yeah, our structures just aren't as successful this year. Correct. Uh, Long Live PAFC has about 56 questions here, so I'll just go through them. Uh, he wants our thoughts on AJ's game on the weekend. Good. I thought it was great. I, yeah. I loved his game last week. I loved his game this week. Um, for me, he has to be a mainstay in the side because I feel like he's just too clever um, to leave out of the side now. I feel like he has more impact. Even though he doesn't get a lot of the ball, he has more impact with his possessions than someone like Jakey Need could ever dream of, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and I feel like... He's about to explode, AJ. I feel like he's about to really raise his game another level. Um, I love his defensive pressure. I love the fact that he can kick goals. He's an accurate kick. And I love the little things that he does. Just the little instinctive gives and sort of knock-ons and shepherds and all all that sort of stuff, uh, which is making him into an AFL player at the moment. Um, So, yeah, I was uh, very keen on his game on the weekend. And, yes, hope he stays in the side good and proper. Those instinctive gives and things like that, like they just, we have had a lot of young players come through that start with them and then they lose them. <laughs> yeah, like the, the one last week against North Melbourne with Westhoff's goal in the first quarter where he just handballed to the voice and you just yeah. think, oh, yeah. so many players just would not be able to do that. And he just knew exactly what he was doing, exactly where Westhoff was. And, but then they uh, get and burnt and out. then they cop it and then they stop doing it. Mm. <laughs> you know? I think we've got had a lot of that in the port side. Yeah, really. Well, he's still raw, and, and I like that yeah. rawness yeah, about it's him. Great. It's good. It's I think good. he's good. Um, why is Sam Gray incapable of producing against good opposition? I don't agree that he is not. I, I think, like I said, I, I what, really when I, when I well when I say that he's been our most consistent for this year, I genuinely mean it. You know, he's, sure, but that remember. doesn't mean he's <laughs> he's been successful. Like, it was pretty oh, terrible. Well, no against, it was terrible against Geelong. He didn't kick a goal against Sydney, and whilst he did kick two goals on the weekend, he got um, pretty much none of the football. But he's a small. Forward. He's a small marking year. forward in a time with in a side with two marking tools theoretically, um, and already you know a complement of other smalls in theory. You know. He he's look from the opportunities he has to get near the ball. He does well. That's the thing. Like when he, when the ball comes to him, he's actually not too bad this year. Yeah, oh. a lot of the time no, it just doesn't I, come to him. I would disagree. Him. I would oh. completely no, I disagree with that. He's been really good this year in my mind. Mm. Having watched him live a couple of times this year, I feel like he's made he he still makes a lot of errors. Just a lot of instinctive. Uh, he, he does things instinctive and they pretty much never come off. Um, I think he's just allowed a lot more space against poor opposition, whereas um, against better opposition, better opponents, uh, better structures. Of you know, Sam Gray is always going to be the sort of cream on the crop type player. If we're yeah. really, really playing well, then he's going to get on the end of it. Yeah, um, he's not going to be the key component um, of the side, and that's why he probably struggles against not. better opposition. I hope he's not. I hope we, I hope he's not the key component on the side. I hope he's not our our Brad uh, our Brett Ebert taking you know all the marks and trying to be our full forward. That's exactly what I don't want him to do. That's what I like about his game. No, is that but he's... he does need to perform against better opposition, and he is. You know, it's probably a good question. Is he a, a symptom or is he a cause I think he's, of the I think issues he's just... that we face against good opposition? I would say he's a symptom. Because you talk about us not doing all that well against good opposition, but if you look at our team this year, 
and you rank our forwards from one to ten, I mean, he's still probably been ten top three in all of those, mm. hasn't he? You know, of our, of our of our theoretically six man forward line. We um, don't have it, a we have a four man exactly, forward line. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. He's doing all right in my mind. I think he's been I, I, all right. Gonna... I think he's been all right this year, but against good opposition, he has failed three times this year. And um, who hasn't? Well, again, that's why I'm asking the question: Is he a cause or is he a, a symptom of of how we play? But I think that I, don't I would know, rather have. The, the, my, I think I would rather have Sam Gray getting on the board. If we are to win uh, a premiership, Sam Gray yeah. is the type of player that we really need to do a Josh Marnie sort of thing and come yeah, on sure. and be yeah, successful yeah. against teams yeah. when it matters. And at the yeah. moment, history shows that over his last three, probably four seasons, hasn't happened. Hmm. Let's see. Well, last year he averaged more than a goal a game. And last year's best two games were against North Melbourne, who were house, and Gold Coast, who were worse than shithouse. Yeah. Yep, and again, probably most of the players were as well. Mm. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I, not I, against Sam Gray. Say, as I said, well, I, I, I feel like, like Sam Gray is the type of player that, as I said, we just need him to come on and do. We just need him to be better when it matters. That's <laughs> that's what I want from Sam. Whether he is capable of doing that, or whether we are capable of allowing him to do that, is the big question. I think you're being. I think you're picking him out very unfairly. I don't think I'm picking him out at all. I think it's a. I think it's a fair question, and it's a question which has historical evidence to suggest that he can't play well against good teams. Yeah, I don't know. So you want to bring up our well, you bring up our record of not playing well against good teams like that. That's our whole side. You, what was it you've said earlier? Oh, five out of the last twenty-three games against, um, you know, finalists is, is our win rate. What? Mm. How many? How many forwards are going to do well with that? True. Very true. Next question: Are we utilising Barry correctly? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I would say no. We need Don Barry to be a run and carry type player. And he was that in the first two weeks of the season against Freo and against Sydney. Yeah, he did a lot of that. I'm not sure what exactly has changed in the three games since, but you know he had six inside fifties in the first two games. Sorry, in each of the first two games, and he's had six inside fifties total since then. Um, so I'm not. I'm just not sure if other clubs are sort of waking up to him and putting a bit more defensive pressure on him, and or whether he's being forced to get the ball a little bit further back goods of centre than we probably want him to. Um, but his sort of style of play is, has, I think, changed a little bit in the last few weeks. And I feel like we need him to be that sort of more pure type wingman um, as opposed to what he's been doing. I think that if you want to talk about a player that's matched the size performances this year, it's Barry. He had two good games in the first two uh, against Fremantle and Sydney, and then after that, he's been a bit ordinary. Yep. And he's and he certainly hasn't kicked a single goal this year. Yes, this is true. Uh, does Pittard get let off for that performance because it's his first game back, or as a senior player, is he expected to produce straight up like every other senior player? Yeah, I think. Well, I, I, I'm certainly not giving him a free pass on that. Definitely not. 
He was terrible. He was absolutely yeah. terrible. No two ways about it. No beating around the bush. He was awful. Um, <laughs> he gave up the bowl. He gave up goals. Defensively, he was poor. As I said, it was the, the Jasper Pitta that sort of sent shivers down your spine from uh, his early years as opposed to the, the more sure player that um, he became in, in the last couple of seasons. But maybe it was just a bit of rust and getting used to that um, game pace again because he hasn't played a lot of footy this year. Uh, but, you know, he's on a big contract. We expect better from him. And um, we really need him to be one of the players that does pick up a lot of the slack from Hartlett not being there for the rest of the year. Um, if we're going to make a grand final or even finals... Um, he has to be a big part of that. Yeah, I guess. Um, just back on Barry, if I can, for a minute. Yep. Um, looking at his stat sheet, like the one thing that's gone missing is his uncontested possession because his contested possession numbers are the same in every game he's played, pretty much 5, 4, 3, 4, 6. Yep. But his uncontested possession has halved since round one. So. Yes. Mm, he's just not getting easy touches. And, you know, right. he come back, comes in for the first two games after a, a layoff of a few seasons and... I guess that space just isn't there for him anymore, so should we really even expect an upturn again? Maybe. Mm. Uh, Hammer8 has asked, how much longer do you think our premiership window is open for? Um, I remember when Hinkley was re-signed last year, I went through and made a list of um, players we could be, expect to still be at the club uh, when he's gone, and our entire defence should be, yeah. Okay. Our first six defenders are all young enough that they'll still be around when Hinkley's gone. Yep. Um, we've got a few mids that are, and the forward line is an absolute barren wasteland, although it looks a bit better now with Marshall um, and AJ firming up. Yep. Um, but look, there's enough there. There's enough there. Um, if we stop, if, if we don't let the club trade out draft picks for fairly good players for the next couple of years, then we can definitely have a very healthy list um, uh, by the time Hinkley's done. Yeah, I like our list structure and where it's heading. I, I feel like we've got a lot of good junior players on our list. Um, mm. Whether they're going to get the opportunity or not to play, I guess is another question. But Four I agree time. our defence looks, you know, it's almost lock it in, you know. Yeah. That sort of thing. Uh, the midfield and forward line still need a bit of work. But, um, you yeah, know, we've got quite a few good draft picks this year. Hopefully that goes some way to resolve that for the future as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's why a guy like, you know, um, Isaac Rankin, I'm super, super keen on because he is exactly in that group of players that would be like, oh, we could either play him as a forward or as an outside mid, you know? <laughs> what a dream because those are our two weakest spots going forward five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of premiership window, look, it should be now. It should be now and over the next oh, yeah, sort of right couple of seasons. Well, this yes. is what, if we're going to win a flag, it's going to be now. Um. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. Last question is from Charcoal Chatty. Has our game plan even changed from last year? Uh, not much. I mean, it, it has. No. Oh, that's a lie. It has It has changed. We actually play more than one tall forward now. That's nice. Yeah. That's, We're a that's bit a significant more methodical in, in how we want to move the ball from last year. Um, we have to be. But I, I feel like the core structures of how we want to play haven't really changed. Um, and it was always going to be that way. It was always just going to be little tinkers to how we played. It wasn't going to be a, a huge overhaul, I thought. Um, but yeah, how we played on the weekend was nothing like we've played at all this year and nothing like how we sort of played last year either. Uh, so that was something new and exciting. I was excited at least. <laughs> Who knew I mean, what we were going to do with the ball? 
Yeah, true. Um, I think, yeah, uh, one of the things when you're looking at the top of your clang account, when it's two guys like Polek and Bonner, you know, seven clangers each, you sort of go, oh, gosh, those are your skill players. That shouldn't be happening. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I guess that when you resign a coach for however many years, you're not saying, you're not doing it with the with the expectation that he's going to change everything. No. <laughs> no. There's no way that would have been a directive to him. No. Well, that's all the questions I've got. Do you have anything else to add? No, not really. Do you want to talk about the game or anything in particular? Oh, we can, we can if you want. I've thrown out pretty much everything I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. I think I've mentioned most of uh, what I wanted to talk about. But, um, look, it was just a disappointing game. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought our effort was okay. Uh, but just the way we were trying to move the ball was just... Uh, Diabolical, and it, and it just played into West Coast hands. I thought our defensive structures were wrong. I think I, I wanted to bring that up. I thought um, the matchup of uh, Howard on Darling was uh, was not right, and Jonas on Kennedy. I think we mentioned on the preview that um, well, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that I would have preferred Jonas on Darling and, and Howard on Kennedy to see how that goes. But mm, um, yeah, yep. Unfortunately, they went the other way, and. Uh, they kicked seven goals between it. Yep, yep. They did not have a tough time. No. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess the the other thing I just wanted to mention was that uh, coming up against West Coast, you really would have hoped there'd be a bit of fire in the belly. But with the outs, like two guys on Port's list that I would regularly say would be the sort of guys that would lift after we've been embarrassed in the previous matchup against the team would be Chad Wingard and, to an extent, Hamish Hartlett. Um Hamish Hartlett, admittedly, he would usually end up in doing something kind of stupid that doesn't actually work, but he'd at least show that aggression. Um, and Chad Wingard would play his ass off. Um, yeah. But we just didn't have that. We just didn't. We didn't have any fight. I guess that was the most disheartening part. We just didn't have that fight, really. We did, the, the fire in the belly was not there, and it was even more no. disappointing. Like we mentioned, how important Dom Sheed out was for yeah. us, and uh, how disappointing that would be for West Coast, and for them to lose Luke Shuey in the first sure, exactly. minute, pretty yeah. much. And for us to get absolutely hammered in contested possession, have our lowest contested possession count for over two seasons. Yep. Um, and, you know, surely one of the biggest differentials as well uh, in a very long time. Uh, that's probably the most disappointing thing for me because, you know, that's that's the, probably the two best ball winners out of the side. And um, we just couldn't exploit that in any way possible. Yeah, absolutely. And um, West Coast had been, yeah, there we are, before the game, West Coast had had the third fewest contested positions for the year. So the fact they smashed us in that category. <laughs> Makes it even worse again. Makes it even worse again, yeah. Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh, I love this. <laughs> yeah, I just got yeah. my sanity back from not doing this podcast every week and now it's uh, now it's gone again. It's great. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> All good, all good. Well, that's all I've got to talk about for this game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, What's going to happen in the showdown? Um, can I be an optimist? Please. <laughs> I think that um, Ryder's going to Ryder's going to look better for the the, the time on the field. Uh, he had his what his sixty percent on time on field this week, and hopefully this week coming in, he'll be feeling pretty good. Um, I don't know. Is Wingo going to come back? Is he? How long is he out for? Do we 
Don't know. Don't know. Okay. Um, hopefully the players will feel bad and try. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I guess that if you're going to be, you know, um, more sensible, you'd probably say, like, the Crows have got winning form. Um, winning form is key in showdowns. And uh, you'd have to say that unless something changes in terms of player attitude uh, as much as anything, you know, if, if we don't play like we care, um, we're definitely not going to win. Um, regardless of what the coaches do, like the, I guess that you know the coaches, yeah, they've let us down a bit. But the players coming up against West Coast, who beat us in that final last year, and then not able to show, like you would forget that we played them in the finals last year from our performance. You think that we would, we, they were a nothing opponent to us, and that's just not true. Um, yeah, if, without a bit of fire in the belly, we're not going to win. Um, so if the players don't get properly pumped up um, for the game. And I don't mean training hard, because every time we train hard, we lose. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just being actually ready and ready to go in the first five minutes. It's going to be one of those first five minutes games. Um, then we're just not going to have a shot. Yeah. That's fair enough. And on that note, I think we'll leave it there for this evening. Hey. Very good. It's been very fun. Good. It has been. Has Thank been you very fun. much. It's been a while since I've done a review, and it's um, it very cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> that's it all the demons are now cleansed and uh, uh. on to this week where we can uh, cry about the showdown that's good I'll be fine we'll be fine everything will be fine <laughs> until next time can the pair can Pat and come back Marshall please Please. Wines, Gray, fancy, well done. Still Gray, handball's good. Westoff could kick a goal from here. He does. What a start. 